morning and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. Many of our Connections Radio Shows are co-produced programs that address cultural identities, celebrating the richness of multicultural voices, sharing cultural perspectives and insights. We discuss needs and opportunities for multicultural communities and allies, addressing the challenges and creating true social justice and equity and doing it with straight talk. Together, we are hopeful that meaningful change is possible and inclusion for all. So today, our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director as my co-host. And traditionally, Melissa and I have the first Saturday of the month to talk about racial healing, but we're very excited that Melissa is joining us today to discuss how wonderful we have uh, accomplished with our Juneteenth celebration. Melissa. Hi, Lori. I'm so happy and excited to be here. I wish we had like a little button we could push to make the <laughs> audience go, yay! Yes. We, need, we need the little, you know, celebration uh, icon that has the, the little horn and the the. The, the streamers that come out. It's oh, well, all good. I was actually thinking about bringing one of those. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, it, it, you know, it was a year ago that we had a really in-depth discussion. Yeah. Um, because we were facing both George Floyd and what the meaning of Juneteenth. We had already planned the Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. But then um, all the ramifications of George Floyd after that. Yeah. And it was during that time when we were looking at the Juneteenth that we thought we really needed to do something more. We needed to do a series. And so that's – it's kind of fun to come back and celebrate Juneteenth in a deeper way a year later yeah. and see how the celebration has now been transformed uh, into a legal holiday. Oh, my goodness. Lori, I am so excited about that, that the United States government has actually made Juneteenth a federal holiday. Mm-hmm. There are so There's so much to say about that, um, but we'll keep going. We'll keep going. How did you first hear about Juneteenth? Actually, I didn't hear about Juneteenth as a young person growing up. Um, my family, I didn't learn about it. I didn't learn about Juneteenth until I moved to Minnesota. And I moved to Minnesota in 2010. I'm originally from New York, born and raised in Brooklyn. And growing up, we didn't talk about Juneteenth. We didn't, my, my parents probably didn't know about it. A lot of people of color, specifically African Americans, um, ancestors of slavery, had no idea, like me, about Juneteenth. And for the folks who may not know, Share with them what what is the significance of Juneteenth. Well, so Juneteenth was the day. Well, after the Emancipation Emancipation Proclamation, after Lincoln's um, freeing of or ending of slavery and uh, creating the Thirteenth Amendment, uh, two years later in Galveston, Texas, uh, the slaves that were in Galveston, Texas, were set free, and they had just had not heard. They had not heard. No, no one informed them. I no. have a feeling that folks knew, but there was not an information passing down to the people that it most impacted. Yeah, and there was some there was some some sort of selfishness involved in that. Yeah. And part of the reason why, well, some of the historians have said part of the reason why they did not free their slaves in Galveston, Texas. Part of it was because they were rebuffing. 
mm-hmm. the idea that the slaves were free. They, you know, there was a war over this idea. So some people just said, well, I'm not going to go by that law. And they also wanted to put in a couple more crops, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Obviously, they probably wanted to get as much uh, mm-hmm. out of work out of the slaves mm-hmm. that they had mm-hmm. before they set them free. Well, I do have the quote when uh, Major General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston to deliver the news that the Civil War was over and slavery was abolished. It says, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation of the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involved an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. And what I find interesting is everyone had the option to stay and stay on as a hired uh, labor. No one stayed. Right. (laughs) It's just like, no, we're we're out of here. And that that, that kind of goes – flies in the face of those folks who said – in the South, there were a lot of people who would say, our slaves were treated really well, mm-hmm. and our slaves liked being slaves. Yeah, if they were, they probably would have stayed. And right. I think that they were ready to go. Exactly. But there's been, you know, I have to give Texas credit. It, it years ago did a proclamation in the 80s. So, you know, they, they owned it back then. But it didn't really take off in terms of having the whole country know about it. Right. And that that to me says that some of our states are holding on to secrets mm-hmm. around history. Mm-hmm. Another state like Tulsa and the Black Wall Street and the things that happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, many of the black people in Tulsa said we were told not to say anything about this. And children didn't know about it. Right. I mean, they went to school and they didn't know until they were in college. Or out of college. Yeah. I have a master's degree, and some of these things that I'm learning today are things that were never taught to me in school. Which is interesting about you know looking at the whole um, fear about what to teach in school, oh. and and we've got um, we've got individuals that are trying to fight to make sure that children you know only hear a certain type of truth. But not the whole truth. Right. And and that comes from what people would call kind of whitewashing the message. Yeah. And no pun intended or a pun intended. I mean, it certainly <laughs> does whitewash. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think they've overblown the, criti- the race critical theory. Critical race theory? Yeah. Yeah. That it, is just – well, I think part of what they're trying to do is they're trying to attack systemic racism and say that it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. They don't want people to learn about systemic racism. They don't want people to understand systemic racism. And they assume that children are just going to feel bad. Instead of be inspired to do the right thing. Well, I believe that that is just a way for them to scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Many people will say, what about the children? What about the children? Mm-hmm. Right? What about the children? What mm-hmm. about raising children to understand the truth about our history as a country? Yeah. Right? Well, I know that you spent some time this week in celebrating uh, yes. Juneteenth. Shout out to Hennepin County. You yes. spent some time with them as well. I also hang uh, out with a light. They are a humanitarian organization here in Twin Cities. Uh-huh. 
And we also, they celebrated Juneteenth as an organization, came together, um, learned a little bit about Juneteenth, and then discussed it, you know. And I think that is what we need to start doing. And some organizations are even, um, before the recognition by the federal government, were recognizing Juneteenth as one of their new holidays that they would give employees time off. Oh, that is good to know. Yes. It's a great They were proactive. They were proactive, right? And some organizations are um, finding other ways to help and celebrate Juneteenth. When you look at the real heart of this holiday, when we're looking at, you know, what is it that that we are honoring, it really needs to recognize that we are accepting that slavery happened. It was a bad thing. And I know you've referred to this as Black Independence Day. Yeah. I really did not look at Juneteenth so critically until we started doing our radio shows. Mm -hmm. And this year, especially we've been going through the racial healing dialogue sessions. So I've really been very intentional about thinking about Juneteenth. So to me, it, it just, it means freedom. Right. It means an opportunity for people to have their own independence back. If I I just put myself empathetically in the shoes of slaves who have been set free mm-hmm. after Granger says, you are free. There's this jubilation. Uh-huh. So that's why they did the jubilees. They would do jubilees on Juneteenth. But. After that jubilation is over, after the celebration is over, where are we going? What are we going to do with our lives now? Before, we had a roof over our head and we had food provided by us because of master. Now we have to do this on our own in a system that really doesn't want to see us succeed. And. And whether it, it, it doesn't want you to succeed, but there's also they're not sharing the rules of the system. Not at all. So uh, there may be some things that could make it easier. Oh, there were things that yeah. were put in place like the Freedmen's um, Bureau. But the problem was there was also – oh, my goodness, Lori. There was – after slavery ended, mm-hmm. after the Civil War was over, there was a law – that anyone who took part in the Civil War who was from the South should lose all property, should lose everything they have, and give it to their slaves. Didn't happen, did it? Not at all. They didn't even get the 40 acres on the mule. Right. The the sharecropping was also bad. It Mm -hmm. was a way to take advantage of poor black people who just wanted to succeed, who Mm -hmm. wanted to put food, you want not even succeed, survive. You just got free from slavery. So maybe you decide to do sharecropping. You're going to share the the abundance of the crop with another person mm-hmm. who owns the land, who happens to be a white man. He owns the land and the seeds. All you got to do is, you know, keep it going. Right. Once that harvest comes and it's time for you to get paid, there was, okay, here you go, John. You made $200 this month. But, or this year, but you owe me $50 for rent, 
You owe me $50 for the equipment. You owe me $50 for this. And you owe me $49 for that. So John is left left with a dollar. And these were the tricks that the sharecroppers did. Uh, some share some some people's crops who who weren't sharecroppers, people who were free, and had land, found themselves fighting to keep their land, fighting for their crops, and fighting for their dignity. And it's interesting because Juneteenth has been celebrated in Minneapolis for many years, and we were talking earlier about you know the migration the great to the north. Migration. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is a time where they didn't have cars. They probably barely had a horse. You know, back in the 1800s, if you had a horse, you had money, you know, uh, because you had to take care of that horse. You had to feed that horse. You had to keep that horse. And it was your transportation. And it was your transportation. And yeah. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm preaching to the choir, ladies and gentlemen, because Lori is a rancher <laughs> and has probably four horses. Yes. So, you know. Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, my, my great-grandfather was a horse trainer. So it's in, back in that time. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it, uh, it, 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 it was the life. It's ex- isn't it expensive to take care of it's, one horse? It's not as expensive when it's in your backyard. Right, right, right. There are people that spend a whole lot more money on their horses and fancy stables and fancy riding. Um, This is more like a little, you you know. You think about 1800s. Yeah, that was their life. And And that's all they had, right, was a horse. And if you didn't have a horse or two, you weren't going far. But we're talking about the Great Migration. They went from Texas straight line all the way to Minnesota almost into Canada, you're going from one of the hottest states in the Union to one of the coldest states in the Union. And they had to walk across the United States. To make it happen. To make it happen. And when they got to Minnesota, they brought all of their culture. They They brought their ideas. They brought their celebrations, their songs, their ways of life. And for many years, it was more integrated than when the red line occurred. And the the red line really created the divisions. But we're going to have to take a break because, of course, I've already gone way past our our first segment. we got to go into uh, commercials. Uh, But in our next segment, we're going to spend a little bit more time about why it's important. uh, What are we thinking about on holidays, you know, and what makes this holiday Today and in the future, ones that we want to think about in new ways. So stay with us. We'll be right back after a few commercials. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. So glad that you're with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And today our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute. And I have Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director, as my co-host. Hi, Lori. So glad you're here. Happy to be here. And we're celebrating Juneteenth. Yes, we are celebrating here in the studio. We have folks dancing in the background. Um, Juneteenth should be celebrated. And part of what I think is so powerful is is the recognition. Right. And I think it's it's growing popularity, you know, um, shows a level of maturity for the United States government. To acknowledge. Yes, to acknowledge that slavery has happened mm-hmm. 
And uh, I, I hate to steal your thunder, but as <laughs> we were uh, in the break, ladies and gentlemen, Lori actually and I were talking, and you, she mentioned that this is the first holiday to ever acknowledge that slavery even happened. Yeah. We are moving in the right direction. I think that it's, it's one of America's shame. Yes. And with shame sometimes comes silence. Silence, guilt, all of the emotions. I think the reason why the conversation around race is so hard to have is because it comes with so much emotion. Mm-hmm. For black people, there's this emotion of feeling inferiority, feeling anger, feeling um, left out and put aside. For white people, there are these feelings of guilt and um, shame, embarrassment. So it, it's, it's awkward for everyone. It's awkward for everyone, but you, we all have to lean into that discomfort. Right. And, right? and it only escalates when there's the defensiveness. And it's like, there's just we just don't have time for it. We don't have time for all the defensiveness anymore. Right. Let's just put it on the table. And I think it's about, like you said, acknowledgement. It mm-hmm. starts with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I learned this from um, someone that you have to acknowledge emotions. You have to validate emotions. And you have to do it in a compassionate way. So you have to validate the uh, – acknowledge the emotions of others, Yes. But you also have to acknowledge the emotions that you are going through yourself and validate, oh, I'm angry. But it's okay to be angry about racism. It's okay to be angry that this happened. Maybe my family owned slaves. It's okay. Your feelings are valid. Do it in a compassionate way. Well, and I've been told that when there's disagreement, only 10% is on the actual opinion difference (laughs) and 90% is in the tone of voice. Wow. And so it can get inflamed very quickly and I think the tone of voice very often reflects the anxiety and when there's anxiety, it comes out. Yes. And one thing I've always admired about you is how much you love people up and you give grace. We have to. Even when you were confronted with someone who said, do you really believe that there's actually systemic racism? Yeah. You honored him. I honored him and I said, yes, I do believe that. And I also told him, thank you, because we were in a group setting, Mm -hmm. in a training, and he said this. And everyone probably gasped. I I would have gasped in the room. I mean, that takes a lot of guts to ask a black person if they really think that systemic racism exists. exists. And I told what I told him. I said, yes, I do believe that. And I appreciate you being willing to express an opposing viewpoint out loud in front of your colleagues. And there's evidence that shows that uh, people of color are at the very bottom of the statistics when it comes to disparities in education, mm-hmm. health, all wealth, all of these different areas. And I said, you and I can research these things together. And I can and we can sit down and talk. I want to talk to you and learn more about your your viewpoint and so you can learn more about mine. 
And that's just opening the door. And creating that common ground. Right. And inviting him in for a conversation. And I have to admit, I think my natural reaction would have been snippy and snarky and I would have <laughs> just, what do you mean you don't know that? Right. Um, and that doesn't help anyone. No, because the other people in the, the training were watching and listening. Yeah. And if I said something that would have shut this man down, other people in the learning opportunity probably would not have been willing to speak. Mm-hmm. So it's important, you know, when we use our voice, if someone's, it's like a chorus. Yeah. If I see someone else singing loudly, I'm going to sing loudly to to harmonize with them. Mm -hmm. So we have a whole choir of people singing the same song. So, you know, you want to bring people along. Exactly. But you also want to hold them accountable. Yes. Eventually. One when they're at the place ready so that we all can be accountable. Together. And that's how you, you help people become accountable. It's a mm-hmm. lifelong journey. And we yeah. talked about that, that learning about these issues, race, and those topics, it's a lifelong journey. We're going to take a break with that and come back. Um, we're going to continue to talk about the Juneteenth and the celebration, but also some of the things that are maybe a distraction around that. Um mm-hmm. It's almost like we're the tale of two cities right now where we've got wonderful recognition and at the same time voter rights are being suppressed uh, and and there's anxiety around that and education is being questioned. So let's talk about that too. And we're going to open up the phone lines for you all to call in as well. So we'll be right back after a few short messages. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And today our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director of the Diversity Institute. It's the Staten Adams Diversity, Diversity Institute. Institute. Hi, Lori. Hi there. You know, we've been having a wonderful conversation about Juneteenth and about where we're at. I wanted to start off with sharing a Biden statement. Um, And Biden used the occasion to advocate for more aggressive action on voting access and other racial equity uh, measures. So this was his statement. Great nations don't ignore their most painful moments. They embrace them. And great nations don't walk away. We come to terms with mistakes we made We remember those moments and we begin to heal and grow stronger. It's beautiful. I think if you reflect on that, we come to terms with our mistakes and Mm -hmm. that's what Juneteenth is. It's sort of a form of reparations. So a lot of people are like afraid of reparations. Reparations is a form of acknowledging that pain and validating those emotions and and giving some compassion to it. Mm-hmm. So the compassion part is uh, it's it says take this day off from work. It's a holiday. Don't do anything on this day. Celebrate. And think about. I mean, I look back and I think about Memorial Day. Right. You know, that's a time of remembrance. Yes. That's a time of honoring. Honoring our veterans who Absolutely. have died at war. Yeah. Absolutely. And we think of um you know, Labor Day. It should be a day of recognizing workers yes. and, and what they have contributed to our country. We look at Veterans Day. We should really honor those who, who have served our country. Mm-hmm. We look at Thanksgiving. It's a time to give thanks. Mm-hmm. So as we have this holiday 
and we want to really understand what the time out is to consider. How would you want us to look into our hearts this day? What would you like for us to do? Today I would say celebrate Mm -hmm. because if you think about those uh, slaves who are set free, that liberation, that freedom, right, Um, opportunity for you to rejoice. You can have a barbecue. You can have a party. Uh, It just means that there's a time for us to start thinking about the freedom that those people gained and what that looked like. And what can it continue to look like? Right, because as you think about it, it's the horse with the, the blinders on. Yeah. Right? If they take those blinders off of the horse, the horse is now open and seeing everything. Mm -hmm. It's like drinking from a fire hose the day you were emancipated, right? How to take that all in. How do you take that all in? So think of it in terms of the, put yourself in the footprints of the uh, slave that's being freed. You're assessing your surroundings. So assess your surroundings. I see it as a, Black Independence Day, a New Year's, mm-hmm. right? It's a time to rejoice and a time for new beginnings. I think it's really interesting that it's two weeks before 4th of July. Right. I see it as Black Independence Day and then we have National Independence Day. And wouldn't it be cool if we could take two weeks and really take the full two weeks to celebrate how multicultural we are? Right. You know, wouldn't it be cool if we eventually came to a point in time where we had two weeks of celebrating what does it mean to have all people created equal Mm -hmm. and all people are under this idea called the United States and we'll celebrate being a sovereign nation that that is a place for all. And when we're not a place for all, how do we work towards making it a better nation? Well, part of it is what we're doing now, acknowledging, mm-hmm. right? The popularity and, and and acknowledging this shows that our country is in a mature spot. Dr. Martin Luther King said, white America is not psychologically ready to end racism mm-hmm. or talk about racism. Mm-hmm. And that was in the 60s. Today, I think we are psychologically ready to have this conversation. And everyone will benefit from it. Yes, because everyone is impacted by racism. Everyone, blacks and whites and Hispanics, everyone. We're going to open up our radio today. Uh, If you'd like to give a call in and talk about Independence Day, Black Independence Day, our Juneteenth celebration, uh, what it means to you to have this holiday, our number is 952 Nine four six six two zero five. The number again is nine five two nine four six six two zero five. And I think you bring up a really good point about um, what's our role as an ally. Really, I mean, right. what was what was the role of the ally in eighteen sixty five? Well, obviously, you know, the cavalry came in and said, "No, really, you're free." Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that was a nice thing to do. Two years late, perhaps, but you know, that was definitely you know an ally that said, "You know, we are all free now. This this slavery contract is over." Um, but you've started to hint at, you know, what does it mean to have that empathy and allow ourselves to do more than just recognizing it but being an active voice against it. 
right. against racism, against right. the systemic racism. And I think the the answer to me is really getting introspective and doing the internal work that it takes for us to be mature enough to have these conversations without bringing in um, anger, dissension, and defensiveness. Which comes all from fear. Right. The bottom line is that fear. all of that – I mean when you can see it in others and you no longer – it's not tripping your trigger back and just recognize, wow, that's just a lot of fear there. Right. What's well, that about? And, and that is a great point, Lori. When you have people who see the world from a different perspective than you, now you have an opportunity to learn. Ask them questions. Mm-hmm. Even, even when it drives you crazy. Yeah, even when it drives you crazy. <laughs> yeah. If you're at Thanksgiving dinner and yeah. your uncle, you only see him once a year and he's saying something that's inappropriate. And makes you uncomfortable. And makes you uncomfortable. You can ask questions. Well, what makes you say that? Where did you hear that? Oh, that's very interesting. Why do you feel that way? And there's a respect in your tone. Yeah. It can be hard because you just feel like why don't they understand? But I think you are so great. You've always been such a, a woman of grace that right. that allows for the aha moment to take place within the individual yes. without having to tell them. Yes, and Helped. that's what you want. Yeah. You want the individual to have an aha moment and and not tell them, you know, what you just said is racist. Yeah, which is a knee-jerk reaction. That it's just, right. Because it feels like you can name it and just like – You this can is- help them by saying – they can they say a racist statement. Instead of saying what you just said is racist, you can say, oh, really? Did you know that this, that, and the third? Or do you understand this? When did you hear this? Where did you learn that? Have mm-hmm. a conversation with this person. And as you're having the conversation, they have an aha moment. And they say, oh, wow. And if they don't have an aha moment, you've at least been able to use your voice. And you've expressed that these things are not okay with you. Mm -hmm. Right? We're not actually here to change people's minds and hearts. You're here to help people understand your perspective on the world and your perspective as an anti-racist. Right? I'm an anti-racist. I'm sorry. That that comment is inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And I would prefer if you didn't say things like that around me, right? Especially when it it's very hurtful and it's at people's expense. Right. So we have to find ways to acknowledge, validate, and do it with compassion, right? So I really, really appreciate that. You have a whole set of questions I know that you went through at one point mm-hmm. um, to help folks – feel more comfortable in thinking about what those questions are. And it's part of the program that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, uh, a racial healing program. We do it on our radio show, which is the first Saturday of the month. But we also have a small group that we work with that uh, Melissa leads. So do you have some questions that, that might be good for folks to be thinking about when you hear something that's inappropriate or you're uncomfortable? What are some things that you yeah. can say? And I think pre- preparation is key. So it's good to have uh, something in your back pocket that you can say to people. First, you can express curiosity. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. 
Or you can offer an alternative perspective. Well, all, someone could say, well, all black people steal. And have, a, have you ever considered that white people steal too? Mm-hmm. And Hispanic people steal too? Right? So it's not that you're disputing what they're saying. You're helping them see things from a broader perspective. Mm-hmm. And you also want to think about, is this person in denial or is this person in polarization? And or sometimes uh, is this person just seeking attention? Right. Or or trying to push your buttons. In our yes. family, we call it trying to get your goat. <laughs> yes. So if people know you're um, an anti-racist and you're wearing your anti-racism shield on the front of your shirt like uh, Superman. Yeah. And you have people in the community who what we call trolls. Yeah. They may um, – do things or say things just to get your goat. And is it worth the energy? You know? Right. So uh, these are some things to think about instead of, you know, getting hooked into, you know, your adrenaline going up. Yeah. Might there be other questions that you can ask? Yeah. One could be um, you can share your disagreement and say, I don't see it the way you do. I see it as mm-hmm. you can seek an area of agreement. We don't agree on that. But we do agree on this small piece. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Let's start there. Right. Yeah. You can say – you can ask to continue the conversation later. Yeah. Let's talk about this at another time. In the meanwhile, how's grandma? <laughs> exactly. Let's connect on something that you know we both care about. Right. Yeah. Or you can simply set a boundary. Mm-hmm. Please do not say that again to me or around me. And – it, it, and that almost creates a safe space for yourself. Right. You're creating a safe space for yourself. Right. And what happens when you put up boundaries, people get uncomfortable. You'll mm-hmm. be uncomfortable putting up a boundary because you probably haven't done it before. Mm-hmm. Lean into the discomfort. And it's okay if someone gets upset or defensive because you're trying to put up a boundary. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. But be firm. Please don't say those things around me. You know, it's inappropriate. And when you do that, I believe it allows your authentic voice to come out in such a way because you've been able to access how you feel. Yep. A lot of times people don't want to share what they feel because they think they're going to be, you know, someone's going to be mad at them or they're not going to say it right. But more and more, I think it's really important for for. We know something's wrong. It's not enough to say, to know it's wrong. What are we going to say about it? Right. And, Lori, you brought up a great point. In white supremacy culture, white middle class culture, the work – let's think of the workplace. Emotions are not allowed. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Tom Hanks in uh, the, the baseball game yeah. uh, movie with the females. I forgot what it was called. But he said, there's no crying in baseball. Mm-hmm. Right? And – there's crying in racism and racism and, and learning about mm-hmm. an, becoming an anti-racist. Mm-hmm. There's crying involved. Yeah. There's pain. There's emotional pain. That is why people don't like to have a conversation. But we need to feel those emotions. And there may be people that feel that if they open up, you know, they're not going to be able to control their emotions. And that's okay. And it is. It's okay. Giving that permission that there's going to be a period where you may not be able to, but you get through it. And you acknowledge, validate, and do it with compassion. So 
I was we're teaching the racial healing class, and we're looking at Dr. Annalise Singh's book. And one of the things she said was, "You have to to be in a place of acceptance. You have to accept that racism." When we went through grieving racism, mm-hmm. we talked about the five stages of grief as they apply to racism. And one of the last stages was acceptance. And she said, "Accept that." Systemic racism is not going to end. And that brought me down. Yeah. But there is a part of it that it's not going to end now. Right. And by accepting that it's not going to end now, it's almost a relief from being disappointed every day. Right. But we can make a difference. We can make – we can move the needle. And maybe what would be our grandchildren's grandchildren – Maybe in a better place, yeah. and there may not be racism in that generation. Right. But by expecting, I mean, it, I'm sure expecting it to end yeah, today. Yeah, and Martin Luther King Jr. I'm sure had that same sort of recognition when he said, you know, white people right now are not ready to talk about racism. America's not ready to talk about racism. Yeah. We are t- ready to talk about racism now. Yeah. Yeah. So what could it look like 50 years from now? That's true. I love that, you know, and at the, but at the end of the day, when you move over into acceptance, it's important to think about those things. That yeah. you're, you have to accept these things and you get into a space where you're now able to start doing something. Exactly. And part of what we're going to do is celebrate today that yes. it's Juneteenth. Yes. And with that, I've got to take a break. But we'll, oh, and I clapped my hands. I hope that didn't clap too loud. <laughs> <laughs> we're celebrating and we'll be right back after some commercials. Uh, and to continue the celebration of this being the first national holiday today, a historic moment yes. of Juneteenth being celebrated. So join us in the celebration after a few short, short commercials coming up. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. We've been celebrating our first national holiday of Juneteenth today, and thank you for being with us. I'm Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and today it's co-produced with the Diversity Institute. It's the Stanton Adams Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Adams, who is the president and executive director. Hi, Lori. And we've been talking about all the wonderful ramifications of Juneteenth uh, coming to realization. But, you know, we, we were also just talking about it, it somewhat feels like the family secret right. that we didn't know about for right. a long time. A long time. And what else is the family secrets all about, you know, that what nobody talks about? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, Lori. Um, I told you I didn't know about Juneteenth until I became an adult. Mm-hmm. After earning a master's degree, mm-hmm. I learned about Juneteenth. And it's amazing because we have to relearn our history, which really goes back to our racial healing book with Dr. Annalise Singh. And, you know, when I saw in the book relearning history, I'm like, no, I know all the history. I know all my black history. Mm-hmm. And then I learn about Tulsa and Black Wall Street. And then I learn about Juneteenth, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually grab a hold of Juneteenth as it being a holiday for me until uh, after George Floyd was killed. You know, there was a lot of conversations around race, racism, anti-racism after George Floyd was killed. And, and as we were talking just last year, it was, well, what does emancipation mean? 
Right. And it certainly doesn't mean that you're being treated equal when it comes to law enforcement. So what's that about? Right. And are we free? And it impacted not only, you know, our Twin Cities, our Minnesota, our country, our world. Yeah. Today they are uh, unveiling a statue of George Floyd in New York City. Really? In your hometown. Wow, I had no idea. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. So the impact of George Floyd, I mean, when I first heard that, it was kind of like George Washington and George Floyd, you know, are part of important historic heroes yes. that make a difference. Yes. And and to have George be part of that sense of he made a difference in the world. Yes. And, and it's amazing that there's other stories that we don't know. And hopefully the heroes don't have to die for it, for us right. to learn. Right. You know, we hope that no one has to lose their life for us to learn these things. But it's about... Um, that emancipation, again, really feels like the autonomy, right? So mm-hmm. you think about July 4th. The 4th of July, Independence Day, the America's, America became independent. As a person of color, and as a young person, I celebrated the 4th of July. But as I became what, what people would call woke, I realized, like, I'm celebrating a holiday that really had nothing to do with me. Right. All people Many are, of those founding fathers had slaves. Right. And they didn't consider people who were black to be human during that time. Mm-hmm. So when they say all people are created equal, black people were not included in that. So, you know, the 4th of July, I never really felt a strong connection to it. But Juneteenth, for some reason, Lori, I feel it. Like it's my holiday, right? My Independence Day, Black Independence Day. So it's just like it feels great to have your own holiday. And hopefully it may make the 4th of July feel more real. Right. And you'll be with us on July 3rd. We're going to continue our racial uh, healing journey. Um, We'll talk about – uh, not only the the celebration, but uh, some of the challenges of what it means, you know, for microaggressions mm-hmm. that occur out there. You know, what does it mean, you know, to really raise our consciousness? And I think a great day to raise our consciousness is um, on the 4th of July weekend. Yes. And I think part of it is about helping people to understand that we can no longer sit by. Mm-hmm. It's like that I'm I'm not racist versus I'm anti-racist. Right. Those are two different things. So on July 4th, please listen in. We're going to have a great conversation. Actually, it's going to be the 3rd of July, but July it's the Saturday. 3rd. It's the Saturday of the the 4th of July weekend, and it's going to be celebrating um all people. Yes. It's going to be celebrating um that we were all created equal and we can celebrate equally. But we also need to acknowledge the pain of the past, and we are grateful that the passage of this holiday in recognition of Juneteenth has been established. And it's an honor to be with you today, Melissa, with this historical opportunity to share with you about how wonderful this is. Yes, and happy Juneteenth, everyone.